pay attention to what's happening locally. If COVID-19 is spreading in your community, stay home as much as possible Shut and up. avoid crowds. Shut up. I, I don't like it because it's so artsy-fartsy. Are you surprised that the team has stayed together and the chemistry has been that good with all the backstepping between you and coach and everything? Well, first of all, there's no backstabbing going on here, okay? Okay? You understand me when I say that? There's no backstabbing going on here, okay? The second part of it is, no, I'm not surprised at all, and I'm amazed that you would even make a statement like that. But uh, I'm not surprised at all because this team is composed of professionals. It's composed of guys who understand what they have to do and who are winners, unlike the comment you just made. Gentlemen, good night. Way to go, Craig. You're done bullshitting for now? I'm done bullshitting. And... Uh, yeah, I want to say off top, I really like these last two episodes quite a bit. This was back to our our last episode theme of, holy shit, Michael Jordan is so petty. <laughs> he kind of is a little bit. But people also mad at Jordan. There's a lot of pettiness to go around. A lot of pettiness in these episodes. It's pretty fascinating. You know these what? pro-level athletes. You know what? Michael Jordan knows how to control his pettiness and at least funnel it into a direction that can win him NBA championships. Most people are just petty and it don't mean shit. They're just petty. That's true. He's petty with a purpose. That's true. <laughs> I wish if people could, if people could uh, funnel, focus their petty the way Michael Jordan does, we wouldn't even need to elect politicians. Everything would just be done all the time. We so much inspiration. I mean, we don't need to elect them now. We need to, anyway, revolution. Anyway, uh, <laughs> mega guillotine 2020. Yeah. Mega guillotine, baby. Just a one <laughs> big one. Just line them up. <laughs> I'm voting for the guillotine. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. And, uh, we got a little weeping Jordan. We got a crap. lot of weeping Jordan a couple times here. Did you, did you take any notes on this one? I always take notes, man. I don't think you did last time, but it's okay. I did. Oh, well, look. Yeah, I've always got notes. I just I was... don't use them much. They're a reference, you know? It's it's just to get my headspace right. When you, you know, insist on waiting a couple days to record it, I got to flash myself back. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm fucking done with that Kenny Mayne uh, fucking... I hate that shit. <laughs> predict the future shit. It was quaint when I very first saw it, and now I'm just like, I'm done. I'm sick of Facebook ads co-opting the kindness that people do for each other. Facebook's got nothing to fucking do with that. It's people. Fucking app companies, basically. Yeah, the ads are really great on me too, man. I'm with you. Especially wanna... that whole thing. We talked about it, yeah, episode one. I'm like, oh, are these even ads? It kind of confused me at first. Is this part of the documentary? They're still trying to do that. You know, eight, eight episodes in now, and they're still trying to do that stuff. It's it's old, and it's yeah. great. You know, I struggle, like, I got a lot of complaints about society and where we're going, but I've come, but maybe we need to concentrate on a few things here. One, just get rid of your Facebook. We need to, can't just, if imagine, if you can get people to get rid of their Facebook and stop watching cable news, 
I really think a lot of great things would begin to happen. But that's not really what we're talking about. You say about. that, but like, uh, I mean, my mom's been pic- posting a picture a day, these beautiful shots she took from like when she was allowed to travel as just a reminder of places you could go when you could actually travel. And that's real nice. I like seeing that. Your, is, your mom's probably like dick teasing everyone. Like, hey, here's Italy. <laughs> yeah, here's a beautiful photo of some place that you can't go right now. Eh, it, well, I still like seeing it. That's true. I, I guess the reaction could go either way, but at the same time, at least I like your seeing people's art too. Uh, you know, it's way it's way better than the trash people mostly post. That's for damn sure. I mean, I know you you completely ignore that. I'm pretty much non-functional on there. I just use it for the events feature because that was all you could do for getting concerts and stuff going on yeah. for a while. Now Facebook is become yeah, like, even that's that's useless now. Video links. Facebook is trying to assert itself as a video platform. And every time I click on something and it ends up being a Facebook video, like I don't watch it. If it's, I'll watch it anywhere else but Facebook. Like I'm just so desperate to be disconnected from that service. Anyway, I'm Jordan sick of the ads. I'm sick of the politics stuff. I'm sick of the backstabbing. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, of, speaking of backstabbing. Yeah. Jerry Krause was asked that question by that reporter, and he got all indignant. Craig Sager. Yeah, that that you know what that means. Well, it was the very introduction to episode seven. Yeah, you know what that means. It means he was asked a good question. We uh, we see that today, right? Reporters ask a question that you don't want to answer. Oh, the I'm going to walk out. Yeah. But I did like the other reporter setting us up for the pettiness to come when the intro to these episodes just ended with him standing there and then he just goes, way to go, Craig. <laughs> God, Craig, you're supposed to lick his balls. Is this your first day, Craig? <laughs> well, well, Craig Sager's dead now and he does a lot of charitable stuff. He did with his jackets, his bright jackets and everything, a well-known figure for NBA fans and we uh we miss Craig Sager. He was one of the good ones. Yeah. So seeing him there was was pretty funny. Them just getting mad at Craig Sager right away. You're supposed to be a <laughs> but we pussy, got game time. Craig. <laughs> You're we suppo- got game time in 1998. Yeah. The playoffs have started in the last dance season. We're almost getting to where they might actually have to talk about this last dance season. They might have exhausted all their flashbacks it seemed like. We're getting a lot fewer flashbacks I'm really excited to get into more 98 focus here. That's for goddamn sure. Now that the 98 season is almost over in this documentary. (laughs) The last episode is going to have to be just 98 season. They'll finally focus on just this last dance season. Let's be honest here. It was cool when they first started out with that lens, you know, the last dance that Phil Jackson had printed those papers at the beginning of the season that set it on it. Everyone knew this was it. It was cool. But this has been the Michael Jordan story, no matter what year it is. Yeah. All these I, documentaries are just the Michael Jordan story throughout his entire career with yeah. just as much focus on that than there has been in 98. It's not, I mean, it's not unfair for it to not be. You're talking about one of the greatest of all time. And even every, these, the things that made these Bulls players great, even if they weren't Michael Jordan, was how they bounced off of Michael Jordan. You want you you want to criticize it for almost sometimes seeming to be that, but what else could it fucking be? Truly, 
What else could it be? Well, it could be the last dance. It could be the story of the 98 Bulls. Well, it did that'll be episode B with the first couple episodes when they were like, we've got the Scotty Pippen episode. Here's his backstory. We I got see... the Dennis Rodman episode. Here's his backstory. Then we fucking ignore Dennis Rodman the entire rest of the documentary. Yeah. A little, a little Will Perdue backstory, please. Yeah. Where was that? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> we get a little bit of Steve Kerr backstory in episode eight. But even this one, which had the 94 season, 95 season, which are the, the Jordan List Bulls season, they focused way more on what Jordan was doing than they did on what the Bulls were doing without him. That's true. That's true. We got a little Scotty Petty Pippen moment while Jordan was gone. Oh, when, man. Absolutely infamous Scotty Pippen. When We teased this early on. We were talking about that. When they were setting up Scotty as like the ultimate teammate and, oh, but he did some stuff later on that people might not have liked. This is the moment. This is the moment from Scotty Pippen's career that that really hit him, honestly. They want because he's had beef with Ku Coach since the fucking Olympics because he has the odd because they were talking up Tony Ku Coach while before even finalizing his negotiation. And they had Ku uh do the last shot in this essential game instead of Scotty and Scotty chose to sit out and it was like, it was now that's petty shit that goes nowhere, but shit's your own reputation right there. I mean, that's, uh, it is when you're Scotty Pippen and your second banana to Michael Jordan, your entire career. And then this 94 season, Jordan's not playing for the bulls. Tony Kukoc comes in. It's they finally bring him over to America for his rookie year. Jerry Krause again. He's I don't think he's the villain that this documentary wants him to be so badly. No. But that dude cannot read a room for anything. <laughs> he is so bad at reading a room. So Jordan retires, you know, the first time everybody's freaking out. He introduces Tony Kukoc and he's up there at the press conference like, "Well, you know a, a lot of European kids they want to be like Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Shit goes I want to be like, like Tony. Like Tony. <laughs> well, Kukok does make that shot. It does go down how the coach suspected it would. But they had to have like a, a fucking, um, what's dude's name? Went to the Knicks? Cartwright? Was he a Nick ever? Bill Cartwright. I'm not sure if Cartwright was a Nick, to be honest. He's just the one you don't want taking the last shot. Yeah. <laughs> but Cartwright so sobbing, being like, you let us down, you let us down. And at least to Scotty's credit, he does have very real regret for doing that. Uh, you can see why, because again, he this is his first year as the guy outside the shadow of Michael Jordan. And the documentary completely glosses over all this. It barely mentions it. But Scottie Pippen had an unreal season in 1994. He was third in the MVP voting. Maybe an argument could have been made for him to be number one. Scottie Pippen had an unbelievable season, dragging this Bulls team into the playoffs, into that, that uh, second round versus the Knicks, in which they go down the first two games. And then that game, that tie, oh, man, with two seconds left, set up the play for Tony Kukoc. Instead of Scottie Pippen. Yeah. They wanted Scottie to inbound the ball, not even be, you know, involved in the play. 
It was, but it was he thought he earned the right to finally be the man. He carried this team. It was an impressive shot. Yeah, it was a hell of a shot by Kukoc. Yeah. And this is another reason why a lot of people think that this 94 season was Phil Jackson's best ever coaching job. Hmm. Without Michael Jordan to lean on, really having the triangle offense take its form without leaning on that one superlative athlete. You know, Scotty Pippen was great, but he wasn't that that finisher. Now, if Scotty was more of a facilitator. Now, and this why... is again 94, this is poor Dennis Rodman, this is Horace Grant stepping up, BJ Armstrong, all these guys. Now, Jordan wasn't there and we know why. We actually covered in our 30 for 30 Jordan rides the bus if you want to if you want to listen to us talk more in detail, look that up. But basically, his dad was murdered. Very oh, basically. Randomly in trad. Basically, his dad was murdered. Then he quit, and he wanted to pay, play ball, and he ended up going to double-A Barons. I don't remember the 30 for 30 saying that he had uh, 14 straight hitting days. Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, the 13 that? game history to start his career. I think they did. And then, you know, right after that, pitchers started throwing him nothing but off speed pitches, and he went into a huge slump. But he practiced his ass off with that legendary Jordan drive and was really coming on by the end of the season. This last dance documentary doesn't mention the Arizona Fall League at all, where he played with some of the best prospects in the game at the end of that season and was own. one of the better players in that league. Yeah. Well, it's amazing what Jordan did in double A. Ended up hitting over 200 overall, which for a, a rookie, like a real rookie rookie like that, that's very challenging. <laughs> for a guy who didn't play baseball between the ages of 17 and 31. <laughs> yeah. To step into double A. And, you know, I don't think the Jordan Rides the Bus documentary mentioned this. I thought it was super interesting hearing Reinsdorf say the reason they sent him to double A and not where a typical rookie would start in, you know, the rookie league or low A ball was because those low A facilities couldn't hold the amount of media yeah. that was going to follow Michael Jordan. The double A facility in Birmingham was the, the lowest level of baseball they had that could handle that kind of media credentialing. Is the, are single A stadiums just basically like high school fields? A lot of them were the spring training stadiums yeah. in single A. Just a so, few bleachers, maybe. Some Your of them wife. are really nice nowadays, but I'm sure back in the 90, the early 90s, they weren't as high-tech as they are now. So, they probably were more like college or high school stadiums. So that's pretty much that um, in terms of... Jordan does come back. Spoiler. He's back. That's how we get to the last dance. Were you on the edge of your seat wondering if he was going to come back? Man, you are breezing through this. <laughs> yeah, his dad died. He played baseball. Now he's back. All right, let's talk basketball, motherfuckers. Well, we did a 30 for 30 on it. It just seems like it was fine to revisit it. But we, we yeah, literally devoted an hour. If you want to hear about Michael Jordan's that. baseball years. Yeah. Well, go listen to that episode if you want to listen to Michael. It was only like a month ago. It's not even that far back in the archives that we did that episode. <laughs> no, not at all. Like within the last couple, I think. Oh, it was a listener request. It was our listener requested episode. Yeah. yeah. It, it was good. Before people knew, the whole world would be watching The Last Dance. <laughs> did you? While did we're you, stuck in our houses. Did you hear that song? Remember that? I fucking. This, what a weird band. That band Soul Coughing. And they played that song that's like, 
Move outside and let the man go through. Right? Remember that shit? Oh, I remember that one. (laughs) I knew some kids in high school that were obsessed with soul coughing. And I remember hearing it being like, I mean, it's fine, I guess, sometimes. I didn't get the obsession aspect of it. They did that song that goes like, I don't need to walk around in circles, walk around in circles. A lot of 90s shit does not hold up very well for me. I got to be honest. I think the first time I heard them was that song, the Super Bond, Super Bond Bond. And it yeah, was set yeah. to like a an early internet viral video of like some badass beating somebody up in a parking lot <laughs> or something. So I had a soft spot for that one. And then they have that song that's like, Something, something, Los Angeles. They would just say Los Angeles like that. Anyway. I'll take your word for it. Not to offend any Soul Coughing uh, fans out there. Very average We do get a lot of emails from Soul Coughing fans. Could you mention Soul Coughing, the band Soul Coughing more? Because Soul Coughing will die with our generation. Like, literally, no one will talk about Soul Coughing when our generation dies. And that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I do I want to talk know. a little bit more about those circumstances, though, behind Jordan retiring. Okay. Oh, again, you want to you want to talk about this is the conspiracy the Jordan story? Hell yeah, I do. And they mention it in this. I'll, I'll give them credit. Man. I thought they were going to completely ignore it. They were going to completely ignore it. But <laughs> I'd hope in ten hours have... they'd slip this in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Ten... <laughs> There's something else. There's something they did exclude. I'll get into that after you're done. Go ahead. That's upsetting. They have that starting part off, which again, Michael Jordan mentioned something that I wanted to catch in this documentary because it, it kind of threw me off. It was something I'd never heard before in all the years of this story. That after that three-peat, after that third championship, Michael Jordan and his dad had talked about how he was probably done with basketball. Wow. Because I'd never heard that. I thought that came up after his dad was murdered. And he was he had that you know really good press conference when he decided to retire. And again, we see the absolute ridiculous media crush around this press conference that says, you know, his dad got to watch his last basketball game. And that was one of the reasons he decided to retire. And that was, you know, so deep. Nobody can give you crap for that. That's, that's a great that- sentiment. One thing the 30 for 30 did not have is Jordan's perspective on his dad's murder. No interview in there. But we did get that here. And, he and we had... Now his dad wanted to turn negatives to positives and shit. And he'd always talked about playing baseball. They always wondered if he could have gone pro in baseball if he stuck with it. So, you know, he wanted to, his dad to see his last championship. There's those famous videos of them together in the locker room. It's it's really some gut-wrenching stuff. But the circumstances around his father's murder were, were so crazy. And this did get into it a little bit, where he was gone for, what, two or three weeks? And no one knew what was happening was that until long? they found his car. And they suspect they finally found his car in, in Yeah, they finally found his car hidden in the, in the bushes or alongside the highway he frequently traveled. And it was it was kind of trashed. But that was it. And then they finally found his body after that in a, in a creek. He, he'd been shot. And immediately uh, a couple 18-year-olds were arrested. Yeah. And 
yeah, that was the that's the story. The you know the official story is that he had pulled over to nap because he was driving late night. It was something he did pretty frequently, and you know some opportunists decided to jack him. A guy in a Lexus sleeping on the side of the road, and he got shot, and they got scared and ditched the car and the body. Yeah, and didn't actually do much. But I don't know that it's it's hard to see that. As an 18-year-old crime. Like, that's not an 18-year-old crime. Yeah, yeah. Is murdering someone, hide in the, co- or hide in the car, hide in the body. It's very, it's just so serious and so heavy. You'd think if they were jacking him, they would take the car or something. And that's part of the reason that it leads to all these, these conspiracy theories. That The most well-known one is that he had a secret suspension for a season. But the other part of that that ties into it is that people unsavory folks that he owed money to with his gambling problem paid children had probably had his dad killed as part of the message paid children and it, to kill it had his nothing dad. to do with 18 year old like, if, if people, they were even involved here's my problem with that other than the fact that there's zero evidence backing that up we, <laughs> these were that's these the main were, problem these were teens that they arrested 18 year olds basically any mafiosa type dude already has people they're not gonna like Go for some North Carolina, talk up some North Carolina redneck kids. You know, how would they even go about... The police never arrest anybody who wasn't involved in the crime, actually. No? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the uh, theory was that the kids were mafia hitmen. (laughs) Well, what... I thought the theory was that... They were scapegoats. Oh, scapegoats. So there's... So there's... uh, Those kids are innocent. Thing going out there basically maybe maybe not it's all it's all conspiracy man like you said though the biggest takeaway from any of this conspiracy is that there's no evidence for it whatsoever yeah but since we're again in the michael jordan story in the documentary they they mention it just as like can you believe this fucking media bringing this stuff up how insensitive yeah can you believe it <laughs> should have <laughs> wa- walked out like jerry krauss I'm leaving. Uh, it's, it's all it's all pretty heavy stuff, and it's it's such a terrible situation for Jordan. And again, you can see why he was, but he wasn't the most angry at the media for that. He was the most mad at the media for that Sports Illustrated article that told him he was embarrassing baseball. Yeah, he said and he wasn't that taking it seriously. They said that Jordan has never talked to Sports Illustrated since. I mean, when you're the greatest, you can fucking big dick like that. You can be like, yeah, I know you're like the premier sports magazine, but I'm never going to talk to you and you're still going to talk about me. That's some baller energy. <laughs> For real. <laughs> uh, the legendary pettiness, man. Yeah. He, he took his drive wherever he could. So that's what was another thing that was kind of strange about this whole situation. Like you thought that that was his drive. Uh, man, in the next episode, when they talk about him coming back during the 1995 season, they mentioned that he might have kept playing baseball if it wasn't for the players strike of 94 Yeah, and MLB asking him to cross the picket line and become a scab. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Michael Jordan's not going to do that. He's yeah, not going to yeah. take a stand for anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? Take a stand on behalf of scabs? <laughs> Exactly. He's not going to take a stand on either side of this aisle. I am a scab. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's not going to stand up and make himself known on this issue. So he's like, oh, shit, 
I'm done with baseball now. I'm out. Of, I'm washing my hands of this. He's very aware of his self-image. That's the reasons, of course. I'm back. Basketball. I totally forgot about that partial season where he comes. I did too. Totally I think everybody did it. here. Yeah. That he did come back in the middle of the season. And they weren't a really great Bulls team. And they and lost they, in the playoffs. He didn't they, come back and have them win immediately as soon as Jordan came back. The point that they make it a point to to say that Jordan had been conditioning for baseball for a year and a half. And now he's going to go back into basketball. And he kind of went back in very quickly from the point that he said, I'm back. And yeah, he is an amazing athlete. But even Michael Jordan is going to have to prepare a little better than that. Especially because just the way the conditioning in the NBA and the conditioning in the MLB are just two very different things. His first game back in Indiana was just an absolute circus people paying two grand for scalp tickets Jeez. <laughs> well michael jordan coming back to the hotbed of indiana <laughs> and it's not too bad to drive from chicago right you could see everybody was probably there for it and yeah he looked rusty and of course we get a lot of nicks in this one too and we oh, get yeah, michael jordan's course. famous i'm really back game which is what <laughs> well, Man, what was that game? He he was like five games back after coming after retirement. When he goes to Madison Square Garden, and the, the biggest players show up on the biggest stage. Yeah, and he drops his famous double nickel game, fifty-five points on the Knicks while wearing that number forty-five jersey. Damn, <laughs> forty-five, baby. The forty-five jersey, which still looks weird to me. It doesn't look right. The Jordan in a forty-five. Now when the even Knicks, knowing all this is coming. Now when the Knicks won that game, do you think Phil Jackson was like, I never should have left the Knicks, man. That organization was too perfect. I let Drew down leaving the Knicks. I let I'm I was the Knicks great. You know, why would I, Phil Jackson, ever abandon the city of New York? Uh-huh. And when he came back to the Knicks, it was absolutely perfect. And yeah, they, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Nothing <laughs> went wrong at all. He had the Knicks like arm's length when he came back to advise. That dude was trying to disassociate. He was like like Donald Trump pretending he didn't just say trash like five minutes ago. That was Phil Hartman in the Knicks when he went to be on the coaching. Phil Hartman, huh? Oh, <laughs> I, I apologize to the memory of the great Phil Hartman. I mean... You meant to say Phil Collins, obviously. Phil Collins, yes. No jacket required. That's what I meant. <laughs> Are are we ready to go on to episode eight? We're already sort of in episode eight. Good. We've just been crossing over a little bit. Now, Drew, <laughs> you, we were surprised at what they didn't didn't discuss around the murder of his father and that the secret suspension. One thing that bothered the fuck out of me, this dude, Michael Jordan, saved the galaxy playing alongside some beloved American legends. They couldn't interview Bugs Bunny. They mentioned that. They couldn't interview Porky Pig. They didn't interview all these any of these beloved characters. You know, like what the that fuck? That is a mixed opportunity. You really dropped the fucking ball. The Tasmanian. You can't get one second of Tasmanian Devil, maybe or Porky Pig being like, yep, yep, yep. He was he was really mean to me. Yep, yep. Foghorn Leghorn. 
I said, I said, I missed a layup in practice and they called me a pussy. I said, I said. <laughs> oh, we get crying Jordan at the end of seven. I forgot about that because everyone, he's mean. He's so mean. Go on. Yeah. We got a lot of the behind-the-scenes Michael Jordan pettiness, the behind-the-scenes video, just that insane drive that he had to win no matter what. And he brought it along. We get introduced to Scott Burrell, yeah. the teammate who I, I really thought was Rondé Barber or maybe Tiki Barber <laughs> the entire time he was on camera. He's definitely the lost Barber triplet. Yeah. <laughs> the, Scott Burrell was kind of Michael Jordan's target that season. He was the rookie. He wanted to bring him up. He saw talent there, but he might not have worked as hard as he did. He was he was bully. on his ass so hard that they, they when they call this interview, Michael Jordan goes, "Yeah, I guess I was." Did you catch this? He's like, "Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I think I was in his ass a little too much." Yeah, it's like Michael. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the phrase. Yeah, oh, it's the <laughs> phrase. It's the phrase. But he was like, the guy was too nice. He really wanted him to push back on. Step above on somebody's ass. Yeah. When you're more than just on their ass, I guess you're in their ass. <laughs> Steve Kerr at least swung on him, you know. <laughs> Burrell but, took it like a champ, man. He just, you know, smiled and nodded and did everything he, he wanted to. And, uh, man, they talk about that '94 season too without Michael Jordan there, and everyone was kind of like. You know, it was kind of a great season because Scottie Pippen took control and he's more of a laid back guy. So nobody was screaming at us the whole time. Everybody got to take shots. <laughs> Ex unless you're Tony Kukoc, then he's going to sit down if he takes shots. Oh, man. Bill Cartwright crying in the speech. I know. Scotty, how could you put us down? Dude, it's a big I, moment. Wa I wanted to hear. I, I wish anything there was audio in that locker room after that. After Scotty oh, was like, no. Sure. No. <laughs> to see your Him team win. That last play. No. But Scotty took it, you know, he did apologize and he went back out in that season, the rest of that series against the Knicks, the playoff series, and he kicked some ass. He had that legendary dunk and step over Patrick Ewing in game six. Mm -hmm. Just a, a big badass Scotty Pippen moment for himself. But then the Knicks won that game seven and ended the Bulls three-peat. The Knicks moved on to losing the finals to yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon and the Rockets. Boy, who don't even get mentioned at all in this documentary. Yeah, right? Easily. As soon, like... as, soon as the Bulls are out, we don't talk about anything. <laughs> They're in the conference and everything. You'd think they'd come up. And we see in the meanwhile, the 98 Bulls sweep in round one from the New Jersey Nets. And Scott Burrell drops 23 points in a game. Whoa. Well, <laughs> maybe that... all that uh, Jordan up his ass is uh, working. Yeah, maybe Jordan should get up my ass. Is Michael Jordan a nice guy? They're I asking think... that today. Maybe and we can start... read. Is Michael Jordan I, I need on a break. cameo? I need a break. Is I Michael need a break. Jordan on cameo, you think? You can't afford a Michael Jordan cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look around It's a on lot that. more... It's a lot more expensive than Snooky. I wonder how much OJ Simpson is. Man, I'll get you I'll get you a Snooky cameo, bro. <laughs> really? For me? Yeah, just for you. I gotta find out what the cheapest and best thing to spend money for one joke is. 
Uh, obviously, Honey Boo Boo. Oh, man. Who is definitely on camera. Oh, yeah? How old is Honey? Is Honey Boo Boo like a teenager now? I used to cave for that Asking show. Asking the wrong dude. I used to cave for that show, and the mother really <laughs> let me down. But that's another podcast. Well, she's probably on Cameo, too. So I bet she is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not only fans, though. <laughs> anyway, how about that Orlando Magic team? Uh, how about that perfectly timed break? Did you believe it when Jordan started crying at the end of episode seven? I and he was like, he, I got to take a break. And then they end the episode. I think he got Did he really a little, need to take a break. You know, you might confuse it for being like con- emotionally connected, but I think he felt bad for himself. You know, he understood he was a giant dick, but he had to kind of like face it. It kept coming up a lot and it fucked him up. Uh, so... I, and he doubles you, down on it all the time, even today. Like, yeah, I was an asshole, but it was all in the service of winning. I think those emotions were real, but I think it was probably more about himself. If I'm being honest. Or I could lie. But I'll probably be, be honest. You want to talk about some more Space Jam? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Monstars. You couldn't interview a Monstar? They fucking stole the abilities of of all-star NBA players, it doesn't get anything. Not a merit. Not a moment. It's bullshit. Jason here, you really fucked up on this one. Couldn't even get Bugs Bunny. (laughs) I had some behind-the-scene footage from the Warner Brothers studio where they'd built a basketball court where Michael Jordan was keeping in shape. Yeah. Wasn't this when he wasn't playing? He was doing Space Jam when he wasn't in the NBA. And pretty much a lot of the best players also in the NBA were in that movie or documentary rather. And um, so, yeah. What, Everybody what that... showed up to the studio to play in Michael Jordan's pickup games, like all the stars of the NBA, the guys who were on Space Jam and the ones that weren't. Although, man, how hard must have it have been for like Reggie Miller or Charles Barkley to play pickup with their powers stolen? Yeah. Yeah, right. It's maybe Patrick Ewing just trying to play, but his powers are gone, man. The monsters took taken by like a booger monster looking thing. (laughs) They're so brave. (laughs) Hey, uh, now that was some cool behind the scene footage for sure. We were pickup games. We were popping off on puberty when Space Jam came out. Uh, The girl bunny, Lola bunny. Did she give you weird feelings like like a lot of us? She's an icon, man. And she's got game. Yeah, we were all inordinately attracted to the cartoon bunny. <laughs> um, he thinks thou dost protest too much. You wanted to fuck the cartoon rabbit. Just fucking admit it. All right. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't do I wouldn't cuck Bugs Bunny, all right? <laughs> I'm Jess- too big of a fan <laughs> of that guy. I respect his work too much. What about Jessica Rabbit? <laughs> Would you cuck Jessica Roger wasn't Rabbit? A rabbit though, right? She just no. She was like a cartoon <laughs> <Yeah>. human. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit or Lola Bunny? Pick one. All right, Rabbit was her was her married name with Roger. Yes, yes, of course. What was Jessica Rabbit's maiden name? Um, human. Human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I think so. we were both there. We were a bunch of fucking idiots. Hey, <laughs> but you didn't answer the question. Lola Bunny or Jessica Rabbit? Who would you fuck? 
Who would you cook, Rod? Just grab it. She's a person. And yeah, I respect <laughs> Roger way less than Bugs. <laughs> yeah, true that. True that. <laughs> I'm Obviously. the same way. But, but man, <laughs> I'd love to take Lola Bunny out on a few dates, though. Like, that'd be cool. Anyway, what were you we talking Lola about? Lola Bunny's awesome. Yeah, no problems yeah. with that person. And <laughs> <laughs> her game, man. She's got talent. We do not want to disrespect... Lola Bunny's personhood. She's a beautiful person, all right? And I just hope she doesn't hear us, like, marginalize her like this, so. Uh, just to, you know, I hope it worked out for her and Bugs. Yeah. Two, two classics. Those yeah, crazy right. kids. Yeah, those kids. <laughs> How old is Bugs Bunny? Uh, he's like 80 years old or something. <laughs> Those crazy Lola Bunny was a Space Jam creation, so she's only about 10, uh, 10, 11 years, 12 years younger than we are. I think. I think. Hey, good on you, Bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason um, that dude's an icon. <laughs> you nailed it. Wow, really uh, robbing the cradle there, eh, Bugs? Ooh. I heard Bill Murray fucked Lola Bunny. We really the, need the a forgotten Space Jam star, <laughs> Bill Murray. We need, we need a, a behind the scenes of a documentary on Space Jam. Whatever happened to the yeah, Monsters, you know? I don't see Bill Murray in any of those pickup games with all the NBA superstars. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't at least there being like, all right, hey, uh, that was my Bill Murray impression. Oh, hey, I'm Bill Murray. Uh, all right, guys, hello. Go Cubs. We're a little off track. I did really enjoy the scenes, though, of Michael Jordan playing basketball against the Green Men. Yeah, that was cool. What planet were they from? <laughs> it's a whole bunch of Green Men trying to D-up Jordan. That was pretty cool scenes, too. But the other players who right, right were on the movie, the but other players who were on the movie, they would play these intense practices when they weren't shooting the film. Just like the USA Dream Team practices... These things had to have been like some of the best basketball you'd see anywhere. Absolutely. Superstars in a pickup game. And they said MJ would play all night after he was done filming. And then he would wake up at 6 a.m. to film again. Well, after he had lost, after the Bulls, halfway in his comeback, when they didn't pull it off, they lost to the Magic. And it burned the shit out of him. So instead of taking some time off after the season... He started conditioning and working the next day and he's shooting space jam during this time. So he's, this guy's got, has like, it's the way they talk about it. This dude couldn't have slept more than three hours a night. He just couldn't let Horace Grant have something nice, huh? No, it burned him because Horace got traded to the magic and it fucking burned him that Horace got to walk away with that victory. And yelling on the court. Man, that, that Magic team, though, what a fun team. Young Yo. Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Horace Grant and his rep specs. That team's Nick no... Anderson, who became infamous later on in his career. That team's no fucking joke, dude. And the fact that the Bulls would eventually meet them again in the playoffs after a thoroughly conditioned, what they say is the best iteration of the Bulls ever. And they fucking sweep that magic team. That's 
I mean, that's exceptional beyond. They uh, they were yeah, just it, think about that year when they lost, though, man. I'm talking about Nick Anderson stealing the ball and everyone just their jaws hanging open. Nobody takes Jordan's rock. They sure did. And then after the game, Anderson being like, you know, 45 ain't 23. <laughs> and Jordan comes out the next game wearing his 23 jersey again, <laughs> racking up huge fines from the NBA. You can't do that. You're not allowed to change your number in midseason. <laughs> right. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. He was like, oh, 45 ain't 23, huh? And that next game, he drops 38 points in 23, and the Bulls win. <laughs> right. Yeah, he cleared in the first half what they scored, like, all all throughout the game, where Armstrong scored. Wait, what do you... Uh, that Armstrong... was a different story. That was a totally different story. <laughs> See, I'm all over the place. Uh, where are we? <laughs> We're all over the place, man. We're, we were finishing up them losing to the Bulls, uh, to the Magic, in that 1995 Michael Jordan's comeback half season when he didn't quite have his legs under him. He started working out like a maniac the next day to get back in shape. Jerry Krause, to his credit again, knew that they were missing a big piece in a guy like Horace Grant, a rebounder and defensive specialist. They went out and got Rodman for the next season to take that role. They went out and got a few new pieces. They got guys like Steve Kerr and Luke Longley and Judd Butchler, who hadn't played with Jordan before. So we get into this story of Jordan getting up people's asses in practice. And you mentioned it earlier, Steve Kerr getting beat up and getting Jordan taking shit all day, shit-talking him and pushing him. And Kerr Kerr swings, hits Jordan in the chest. And Michael swings back and hits Kerr right in the eye. You know, and Phil Jackson kicks Jordan the fuck out of practice. Jordan said, "Made it. It was just a hit on a hit." Jordan kind of made it sound like he just whipped up on Steve Kerr. It was just a hit for a hit. He was tired of getting pushed around. He swung and Jordan swung again. So I wouldn't call it an ass whooping, Jordan. It was just a guy standing up for himself. And your betty was not paying off in this moment. Well, that's what they said then, right after that. They interview Michael Jordan, and he's like, you know, I felt I felt tiny, like a tiny person beating up the smallest guy on the court. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I called Steve Kerr the next day to apologize. In, in his self-criticisms of punching Steve Kerr, he still finds a way to kind him. of demean Steve Kerr. That's hilarious. <laughs> and Steve Kerr comes back and says, like, you know, that was the best thing for our relationship was that I showed yeah. Michael Jordan I wasn't about to get pushed over and I wanted this as much as anybody else. Yeah. And you can love or hate Steve Kerr this many years later. But dude's got a bunch of rings. Yeah. Dude Three as a pretty... player, two as a coach. <laughs> He's done pretty damn good for himself. And we get legendary Jordan pettiness stories. You talked about that uh the second round. In 1998, we're back into the last dance season when they're playing the Charlotte Hornets and another one of his ex-teammates, B.J. Armstrong, is on the Hornets at this point. So Of course, was, the, the Bulls... B.J. Just was on the Hornets. I was yeah, talking yeah. about the right team. No, you were talking I'm, about a different game that we're still not up to. <laughs> no, I'm, try, I'm trying to jump around, Drew, because I don't want to go through every line of notes. Yeah, but that wasn't B.J. Armstrong, the guy who he dropped as many points in the first half as he did on him the whole game. That was the LeBradford Smith story, the uh, guy on the Washington Wizards, oh. a kid who just had the game of his life against Michael Jordan. Right, right. And, he was just on it. 
And Jordan says afterwards, Smith came over to him, put his arm around him, said, hey, good game, man. <laughs> and Jordan's like, man, fuck this shit. We okay. play them the next day. I'm going to have as many points in the first half as he had in me all day. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. And then years later, he admits that Smith never even came up to him and said, good game, man. He made that shit up for motivation. <laughs> And he absolutely destroyed a kid the next night for it. <laughs> Look, if Jordan <laughs> needs to hate, if Jordan Smith, needs to hate, like he you, was two coach in the Olympics. If Jordan needs to hate you, he's just gonna fucking hate you. Yeah, people talk psycho, about right? people he talk about how up. like you shouldn't have said this, you shouldn't have done this. No, he would have found a way to hate you. <laughs> it's just great to see all these examples of this man, like that Bradford Smith. He made that up. He's a psycho. <laughs> he is got this insanely competitive personality, and it's it's fascinating to watch. It's hilarious to look back on. Like this is kind of funny. But in the t imagine if you're the Bradford Smith and you're like, why does Michael Jordan trying to destroy me the next night after I had the game of my life? Well, Bradford Smith never had a career. Maybe that was why. Uh, okay, let's talk <laughs> about BJ Armstrong. Go too much. Let's talk about that was BJ that Armstrong round two. Now. Talk about another fun team, man. That that Charlotte Hornets with Muggsy Bogues and Vlade Divac was on this team. Yeah. But they're, of course, big underdogs. But B.J. Armstrong has a big game in game two. One of his you know, best times, he's like, yeah, I, uh, I knew these Bulls. I, I knew what I could do against them. I used to play with all these guys. So he had a big game. And they win game two. And B.J. Armstrong lets out a big old yell at the end of the game that they show in slow motion. And Michael Jordan's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> you shouldn't have yelled, uh, B.J. You shouldn't have yelled. Uh, yep, goes off on B.J. Armstrong the next night. I think, what, B.J. Armstrong had like four points in the game three, and the Bulls yeah. win the rest of the games in that series. <laughs> yeah. And then we get back to that Magic series in 1990, uh, the, the next season, that, those 96 Bulls. Yeah. Swept. When Jordan's been back now from the start of the season, they make it back to the playoffs with Rodman, with Pippen, with Kukoc. They just had the best record of any team in NBA history, 72-10. and 10. Insane Bulls team. And yeah, they meet the Magic team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year with Horace Grant and sweep them. The The fact that they swept that Magic team, it's pretty unreal. Because on paper, you could easily see that team being a contender. They were just hungry as shit. And that's why they declare this specific year probably the best Bulls team. Is this when we got uh, that, that really fun drop? We had some more good highlight songs. I know Fantastic Voyage was in here at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, was it this magic part when they talked about how how fired up this team was? And then all of a sudden it went into that KRS-One track and it was like, Step into the world. <laughs> yeah, the music here is pretty good. <laughs> and it's all in the time, too. Like that fucking Soul Coughing song, that song did come out that year. Yeah, this is when they're rolling, man. This is when Scottie Pippen looks at the schedule and is like, ah, shit, we might not lose a game for three months. <laughs> yeah. 72 and 10. And the story around these Bulls go is if they thought anyone would ever beat that record, they could have won 76. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Golden State Warriors eventually beat that record with a 73-win season. It's not mentioned in this, of course, because this is the Bulls story, but... This episode eight was probably amongst the most pure basketball episodes, truly. 
Because a lot of this, they're 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 going between like a space now within like two years apart of each other. Yeah, we're talking '96 season, and then the last dance is '98. So we're yeah. almost caught up to each other as far as the couple timelines that they swing between in this. And then those 96 finals, after they sweep that Magic team, they're rolling. They face one of my favorite teams as a kid, the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, yeah. They were my West Coast team, man. I loved the Supersonics. That Peyton and Kemp, that was my yeah. NBA jam go-to combination. That was good shit. Oh, NBA Live 95, classic video game. Sonics were one of my most favorite teams to play as in that. Sean Kemp, Payton. man. Just Gary, dunking and, and knocking up different women. That was his whole life. Gary Payton was his coach was trying to he was trying to he was putting him in a more offensive position. And three after three losses, Gary's just like, I'm just gonna fucking guard hard on Michael. He was the defensive player of the year that year. His nickname was the Glove. It's what he was known for, his defense. And he did put a stop on Michael for at least two games. And <laughs> and Michael's very dismissive. I mean, yeah, the Bulls would come back and win. But Michael, because at the point where they tra changed up his defensive strategy, they only needed one more game to win out of the next three or four. But Jordan did not give Gary any credit for at least being an amazing player for a couple of games. Oh man, I, you're you're even slow pulling this one, man. This is this moment is already viral by the time we're recording this episode, a day after it aired, because he here pulled the old uh, narc on somebody who interviewed earlier again. <laughs> hands move. him the iPad. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, hands Jordan the iPad of Gary Payton saying, "Yeah, I decided to d up Jordan, and I got real physical with him, and I, uh, you know, I gave him a tough time at least." And Jordan just. <laughs> Tracks up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> nah. nah. Nah, Glove didn't give me no problems. <laughs> well, he gave him two games worth of problems. It's so not he like had they other things on his to... mind. Oh, well, come on. It's, it's still in there. But that was a big that was a big championship because that was the first championship they won after his father was killed. After they came back. And they won that championship in Game 6 on Father's Day. Wow. And we end this episode with Michael Jordan in tears lying on the floor while a whole bunch of cameramen sit around taking photos. And you're like, you fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we end, the, we end the episode truly on them preparing to face the Pacers in 1998 uh, against a team with a one guy that may have been a bigger, possibly could challenge Jordan truly in terms of real deal shit talk is, um, you know who Reggie Miller, Reggie, the fucking Miller. What was he saying? Stuff like we had a better team, but said, yeah, yeah. He said that they had the better team. I mean, I don't know. All I have in my notes for this part is fuck off Reggie. So he must've said something <laughs> there. There is a way to measure whether or not your team was the better team. And that's to play basketball and win the games, Reggie. Oh, hot hey, hey! And I, I loved the Reggie Miller when I was a kid. But come on, bro, <laughs> it's just part of a shit talking scene. There was another thing in this episode that I thought was absolutely shocking that was left out that I did want to mention before we get out of here, and that's that before that '95 season, before Michael Jordan came back. The Bulls had agreed in principle on a trade where they were going to send Scottie Pippen to the Seattle Supersonics for Sean Kemp. 
Wow. They had agreed on this. They were going to trade Scotty for Kemp, and it was the Sonics who kind of got cold feet and turned the trade down eventually when their fans would have rioted because everyone loved Sean Kemp at this time in Seattle. God, I think they would have gotten over it. And you just think of this, (laughs) if this trade happened, would Michael Jordan have come back to a Bulls team that had Sean Kemp instead of Scottie Pippen on it? I think that's a pretty fair question to he wasn't worried about the money at this point. <laughs> so he, it was always about Scotty. I mean, Phil he Jackson just walked plays away. a role too. Phil Jackson played a role for sure, but Kemp was known as one of those kind of selfish players that Jordan never really liked. A guy who needed the ball in his hands, who was just finishing with flashy dunks all the time. Yeah. How would he have fit into that triangle offense? Maybe it would have been great. Maybe they would have made him into a younger Scotty Pippen. Hmm. But it's one of the great what ifs in basketball history. Because you think Jordan looks at that Bulls team and is like, I don't know if I want to come back to that one. Or maybe he does. And maybe it's it's all totally different. Maybe Scottie Pippen's legacy is totally different if he wins championships with Gary Payton. Think how great a team that could have been. I mean, if they – did the Sonics win any championships? No. Well, that probably would have changed the fact of maybe they would still have a fucking basketball team. Maybe. You know? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> But Drew, we only got two episodes left. I'm really we are ex- almost done with our last dance together. I'm really excited to wrap this up, and it really is kind of a last dance, really. And I think these last couple episodes will actually be about the last dance season because our timeline's down to two years now. We just finished their first championship of the second three repeat, so there's only two seasons to go. I think, and one of them's the last dance in which we're up to the finals against the Utah Jazz. I think we're going to the first half of nine, the first half to 45 minutes of nine. No, the the last 40 minutes of nine will be devoted to that last championship in the first half hour of 10. And then it's going to be, I think we're going to get a lot of lingering after we're going to watch. We're going to see some Michael in a wizard's Jersey, like addendum. I think that's my guess. We'll see. Man, I'm guessing they don't even mention Wizards Michael Jordan in this documentary. You think not? Oh, they'll mention the Wizards Jordan. They won't even mention it. They'll just mention him retiring at the end of the 98 season and his second three-peat fade to black. Well, or maybe I'm, he'll like, I'm find another find out. interview to narc on him, too. <laughs> hey, Isaiah said this about you. <laughs> Ooh, um, sc- Ooh, did you see what Scotty said? <laughs> more Jason here handing people iPads with people shit-talking on them. Turns into some great moments, man. I mean, what what's left? What's left for the psyche of Michael Jordan, too? We saw him be a huge asshole in this one, and then they confronted him straight up about it and made him cry. So, yeah, he what's does next? cry in this. It's worth it for that. But we'll see if he cries more next we week. We saw his lo- lowest moments and terrible tragedies. All right, man. Two episodes left. One Documenteers episode left on Last Dance. All right, Chief. We'll talk again next week. See you then. Keep on docking. Look, I don't have to do this. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Break. Move outside and let the man go.